The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if any hear my words and do not observe them, I do not condemn them, for I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Those who reject me and do not accept my words have something to judge them, the word that I spoke. It will condemn them on the last day, because I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. The Gospel of the Lord. The pause is deliberate. <laughs> you thought I was groping for words. The pause is deliberate because so much of our life is filled with sound. So much of our life is filled with noise. The simple act of stilling ourselves feels awkward. We expect noise. We expect words. We expect sound. And the unfortunate consequence of that is that is what allows us, ironically, to miss the word that we most need to hear, which is that still small and yet infinitely mighty voice of the living God. This is something that, in their own way, our scripture readings today, in their variety, insist upon. And something that cuts to the heart of the very essence of what happened over those several months in Fatima when Our Lady appeared to the shepherd children. Fatima, despite the fact that thousands saw the miracle of the sun, despite the fact that a message was given for the world, was not a public revelation. It is private. And that's intrinsic, that is intrinsic to the power of Fatima. The fact that it is not public revelation. Because public revelation has stopped. And it stopped with the age of the apostles. In other words, God has nothing new to say. There is nothing new to reveal. And it is important that we understand that. The very essence, the beauty, the majesty of what we have, what, we, what happened at Fatima and that we celebrate and remember today 
is great precisely because at its heart, nothing about it is new except for the details. Rather, this visit of Our Lady, this speaking of Our Lady, is an echo of and a continuation of and at the service of the great speaking that God has given to the world in Jesus Christ, His Son. And when we understand that, the real power, the real power of that visit begins to manifest itself. This is not merely Our Lady's concern for the world, as wonderful and great as that is, but rather it is Heaven's concern for the world, out of which she emerges and of which she speaks. And she speaks to the world with a gentle sharpness. That is the other remarkable element of the speaking of Fatima. There is a gentle sharpness about it. Our Lady is gentle. Her appearance is a cause of consolation and a joy, and yet within those gentle words is a truth that cuts deeply and that cuts cleanly and that cuts clearly. And that, too, is the continuation of something we heard in our first reading. That proclamation of St. Peter on the day of Pentecost. This Jesus, he says, whom you crucified. Note the honesty. Note the truth. Note the cutting sharpness of the words. Not simply Jesus is risen, but the one that you rejected the one that you crucified, the one that your sins had harmed, that is the one that God has chosen. And the cutting nature of that word is absolutely necessary so that those who hear can be received into the gentle beauty of its joy. But if they are not cut, they are not open to its joy. Note the sharpness. This Jesus who died because of you and because of your sins. And the human heart on hearing that first reaction is, oh my, am I in trouble now? Have I been tragically misguided? How I have misled myself how I have closed myself off and turned myself off to grace. Note that word, your hardness of heart, your sinfulness, your selfishness did that. And it was not the will of God, it was the opposite. But the reason why St. Peter inspired by the Holy Spirit, speaks that way, is not to leave those who hear him lying wounded in their guilt, but to say, and remarkably, he did it for you. And forgiveness 
can be yours, even for that. To a world that goes terribly and tragically and consistently astray on a consistent basis. To a Christian world that likewise goes terribly, tragically, and consistently astray. And all we have to do is look at the history of Christian nations to see how true that is. In our families, in our cultures, in our societies, and on national levels, there is this tragic tendency in the people of God to, without even realizing it at times, turn our backs on goodness, turn our backs on the Lord, and then flatter ourselves that we are faithful and good and that everybody else needs salvation, but I'm okay. And so note Peter's words. It is precisely you, you faithful, who rejected and put to death the Messiah that I am speaking. Because the reality is, what you threw away, God has chosen and raised up. And yet, in doing that, that is not to condemn you, but to show you where salvation really is, so that you do not reject him again, that you do not continue to wander lost, that you stretch out your hands to a mercy that is greater than your wrong. And what does Our Lady say at Fatima? Repent. Pray for sinners. But pray about your own sins, too. Turn away from those false forms of goodness that you've convinced yourselves are the right thing for you. Turn away from those easily constructed idols that your heart bows down to. Turn away from the darkness that you clothe yourselves with and come into the light. She names directly and honestly the tragic sinfulness of the world. Not so that those who here say, oh, we need to pray for those poor, wandering, error-filled sinners, but so that we look into our hearts and say, that's me too. And I hear this word, not so that I feel the sting of my guiltiness and stay there, but that it spurs me to move, that I step out of my guilt, step out of my darkness, into that light which Jesus himself says in our gospel he has come to bring and to be for us. The very essence, the very essence of Fatima is that this is that same call, this same call from the Lord to his people, that with a gentle joyfulness still directly cuts into the heart. Not to leave the heart wounded, but to open the heart to the fullness of light and grace and joy. What a marvelous, what a marvelous reality this is. 
Because note, it is the lady assumed body and soul into heaven. In other words, the lady who fully shares the victory of her son's resurrection, who arrives and who speaks in that glorious life and that glorious freedom. Just as the church filled with the victory of the Lord's resurrection goes out into the world, and in that victory and its joy, announces with a cutting, direct gentleness. Let this truth pierce your heart, that mercy might fill your heart, that goodness might fill your heart that where your heart is filled with anger and self-recrimination, it might know real joy. And what do we see? One who shares that glorious victory of the Lord's resurrection. It is no accident that Our Lady chose May to appear. Not simply because we call it the month of Our Lady, but because it is in the Easter season the season of the joy, the glory, and the victory of the Lord over sin, over death, over all that diminishes, demeans, and degrades the human person and human life. And in the light of that victory, she appears. Small wonder then that in the conclusion of her appearances, there is the miraculous, and better than saying the miracle of the sun, it is better to say the miraculous dancing of the sun. Because there is a joyfulness about this, a frightening, overwhelming exuberance and joyfulness. But here it is again, all creation itself sings out in light and celebrates at this moment, the luminous lady, that cutting sharpness to her message at the service of piercing and opening our hearts to that fullness of light and joy and the gospel to which heaven calls us, to which Christ summons us, which Christ, her Son, has won for us. Oh, the details are new. The manner is very new, but the content the speaking, the essence of what happens, nothing at all is new there. It is marvelously, terribly old. Old with the age of God's eternity. Old with the age of God's love. And old with that age means it is ever and always young and living and near. What a great thing we celebrate today. During this season where the great Marian prayer is Regina Celi Laetare Alleluia. O Queen of Heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. Quiaquem meruisti portare. Alleluia. For the Lord whom you merited to bear. Alleluia. Resurrexit. Sicut dixit is risen, even as he said he would. Alleluia. 
Ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia. Pray for us to God. Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary. Alleluia. For the Lord is truly risen. Alleluia. Because the important line in what St. Peter says is not the one that cuts, but what it opens us up to. This Jesus whom you crucified, that's the one that cuts, is risen. And God has made him Messiah and Lord who gave his life for you. Not just because of you, but for you. That he may give his life to you. And how wondrous and wonderful it is indeed that she through whom he first gives himself to this world is that one who comes to call this world, this church, his body, once more to draw near to her that it might be embraced by him. Five years ago, I had the opportunity to spend Holy Week and the first part of the Easter season in the Philippines, and in particular in Quezon City. And at about four o'clock in the morning on Easter Sunday, we gathered in the darkness on two different sides of town. And on one side, there was a statue of Jesus, and on the other side, a statue of Our Lady of Sorrows. Dressed in black, and both were on carriers. And they were picked up, and from one side of town and the other side of town, Our Lady in her sorrow and Our Lord in his victorious rising are carried until they arrive in the darkness, in the darkness, to the parking lot of the church. And as they arrived into that parking lot, the group carrying Our Lady in her black garment moves out to a central location and marvelously, literally on a zip line, a little girl about seven or eight years old dressed as an angel, came down and lifted the black veil off Our Lady to reveal a gleaming white garment underneath. And at that point, the statue of Jesus is brought in. Another group of children dressed as angels arrive, and the Regina Chaley moment happens. The darkness the sadness of the passion, of loss, of the crimes of this world that Our Lady knew so well is lifted from her by heaven itself. And so the angel choir says, O Queen of Heaven, rejoice, Alleluia. The song of the angels calling on Our Lady to be the first to rejoice in the victory of the Lord in the darkness of Easter morning before the earthly sun rises. And the beautiful thing about that moment was that as those who bore the image of Jesus drew nearer and nearer to Our Lady, they began to dance. 
And so the image of Jesus begins to dance. And it's the opposite of what we think. It is not Our Lady jumping for joy. As she goes near to Jesus, it is the Lord dancing in joy as he draws near to her. And it is that marvelous, simple gesture that captures the essence of this holy season. He who died for our sins is joyous at the thought of receiving us into his love. He who died for our sins rejoices too. And this joy spills into the world and its first and greatest custodian is Our Lady, the first to know it, the first to receive it. And she arrives at Fatima, still that great mother whose heart, whose immaculate heart, is the repository of all of the joy of this great and glorious victory. And it is out of that joy that she comes. And she comes that we might hear, that we might be cut, that we might change, that we might move into that glorious reality where the Son of Justice himself, more fully than any earthly son, indeed spills over with joy at the thought of receiving us. How wonderful then that in just a few minutes we'll get up from our seats and we will move toward that very Son of Justice. Jesus Christ, great and powerful today as he was 2,000 years ago, every bit the Son of Mary. And we will come and we will stretch out our hands. And as the consecrated host is held up and you hear the words, the body of Christ, oh, you will not see an earthly sun dancing in the sky above you. With the eye of faith, perceive the fact that the Lord joyfully comes to you this day. We hear that word, that stinging word, this Jesus whom you crucified. We hear those stinging words, repent, do penance, Pray for your sins and for all sinners. But the point of all of that is the joy of Jesus Christ, which comes to us, that our hearts might be filled not with any merely earthly consolation, but with his joy, his goodness, and his consolation. Let us feast on that goodness in great faith today, and let us go forth then, rejoicing afterwards. Amen.